I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCore.com, coming to you live from the palatial Ocean Inn Estates in the south end of Burnsville. I am in Minneapolis, or just outside uh, of, of, the, uh, of the metropolis. Um, good friend of the show, good friend of the site, Will Ocean Inn has been kind enough to let me crash here for a few days, um, and uh, we are recording this podcast on uh, Thursday, April the 4th from his basement, um, which actually has a nice little podcast set up. I wish I hadn't brought all my crap. Uh, we are going to talk about Virginia's upcoming national semifinal, which just still sounds just so freaking amazing. Uh, we're going to talk about the Final Four matchup against the Auburn Tigers. That'll be the primary focus of our pod tonight. We'll talk a little bit about the other um, the other game Saturday night between Michigan State and Texas Tech, which I think is going to be a great game. Uh, I'm actually going to be kind of frustrated that I won't be able to see most of it because I will be working. Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. I guess I have to say down now, down in Fishersville. Yeah. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? Yeah, way down in Fishersville. And according to the travel sites, many, many dollars down way in <laughs> Fishersville. <laughs> Who days on the board at Who days on Twitter. Many, many dollars. I like that. And also down in Arlington, at least for now, until he decides to hop on a flight and, and join me uh, up here, is uh, staff writer Justin Ferber. How are you, my friend? Down in Arlington. Down in Arlington. Like we're some kind of coastal elite. <laughs> Least coast polluters. Uh, well, hey, say on the West Coast. Hey, this is the Final Four. I'm allowed to say whatever I want. Mm-hmm. All right. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional uh, witty banter. Uh, all right. So when last we spoke, we had talked a lot about uh, Virginia and the um, – the whole play you know, against <laughs> Purdue and you know the, the feelings and things like that. It's time to get down to basketball. And I was fascinated today uh, talking to various players in the Auburn locker room. Not necessarily that they want to speed Virginia up. I mean, that's a you know, hashtag analysis kind of take. But it seemed to be a big focus for them. Like, I, I'm not going to pretend that when you talk to players, right, that they have the ins and outs of everything from the scouting report and their game plan or that they're going to share it with me. But they were genuinely just really focused on, yep, going to speed them up. Going to speed them up. That's, that's how you beat them. Um, now, I understand that this Auburn team is number one in the nation in turnover percentage in terms of their defense. So, I mean, they're used to, to getting out and running. They're used to turning people over. Um, Virginia nationally is, you know, what, 12th in, in turnover percentage offense? So one of the teams that, that turns it over the least. Um, you know, if your whole game plan is to speed Virginia up, I mean, good luck with that. Let me know how it works out for you. It just doesn't feel like something um, that can be the entire game plan. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not naive enough to think that the players, when they say that, that that's all it is. But I'm curious to get your take, Dave. When you saw some of those comments, did it make you feel more confident about Virginia's chances Saturday night or you have the have the nerves and the superstition and the worry of the normal hand-wringing fan that you are um, kind of stepped in on you what's your what's your I don't know what's your take on on their on their take I think it was interesting you know um, over the years we've heard a lot of teams say we want to speed up Virginia whether it was VCU during the Havoc days or you know North Carolina just about every time we play them or, or Duke depending on their personnel it just generally doesn't work well for you, you know, generally for a whole game at least. And I don't think Auburn's game plan is like, hey, we're going to come out and speed them up and, 
if that doesn't work, we're just going to quit playing. But the key to me is can Auburn can Auburn hit some threes and get Virginia behind and maybe make them get a little panicky and, and play fast. I think that that could happen because um, we've all seen Virginia, like the Syracuse game in the Elite Eight. We, we've seen pieces. This year we haven't seen it much. Um, look, Auburn's beaten some very good teams, and that's one of the things – you know, maybe just because it's Auburn, I'm sure most people realize who they've beaten coming in, but no team's ever beaten the three teams they've beaten back, back, back to back to back, uh, coming into the NCAA tournament. So I don't think Auburn's looking at the Virginia across our jersey and saying, "Oh Lord, we can't beat these guys," because they've they've managed to beat you know Kansas, Kentucky, and and Carolina. Never mind the fact they struggled with New Mexico State in the first round. But if I, I texted uh, Brandon and Walt when I saw saw your quotes from the locker room, and I was like. If that's their plan A, they better have a good plan B. And I think that's what it boils down to. I'm sure there will be a few minutes, um, just as there are in every game, where Virginia kind of gets out of a little bit out of sync and they might get sped up. But that can't be your only plan. And I don't think Bruce Pearl is that big of a fool. So Virginia's uh, got to play good basketball. They're going to have to be sound. They're going to have to, you know, I'm sure Auburn's going to try to throw some traps at them and just try to get them to speed up. They're just going to have to do what they've done for 36, 37 games now. Yeah, I mean, I think that everybody's plan is to speed UVA up. Uh, we probably just have a little bit more exposure to that plan for this game because of all the media availability. But, yeah, I mean, I think that the threes are going to be important, but also the turnovers. Like you mentioned, uh, they they lead the nation in turnover percentage. They're turning over opponents on – basically a quarter of their possessions so in a in a low possession game i mean if they could keep that number up then that's that's a huge impact they could have and honestly i think that the the blueprint for beating uva if you're auburn is obviously you're going to want to knock down some threes but really the the game you would probably want to emulate the most that uva's play this year is, is uh nc state in raleigh where they just turn the uva over so many times that you know the it kind of keeps them from being efficient and then also you know, just creates a few free possessions here and there that UVA doesn't allow very much. Uh, Auburn is, I don't think they're first nationally in transition points, but they're in a North Carolina stratosphere of that, where they, they thrive on points off turnovers and getting out in transition. UVA obviously doesn't allow that from basically anybody, but even if they slow Auburn down, but if they give them a few extra possessions with, you know, lazy passes across the top or you know, dribbling the ball out of bounds or whatever it might be, um, then that could really come back to haunt them. But, yeah, I think that Auburn is going to try to do what everybody tries to do against UVA, which is, you know, get them out of their comfort zone, get them playing faster, maybe pick up a few transition points here and there, uh, exploit them from the three-point line. Uh, But, I mean, we haven't really seen a lot of teams be successful with that over the course of a game this season. So, like, like Dave said, I think that, you know, that might be the way they want to start out, but I think eventually it will become a grinded out game. Uh, kind of like Pearl said, he kind of contradicted his own players almost, obviously not intentionally, but, you know, they were all saying, you know, we think we can speed them up. And then he was saying that they're basically going to have to pay UVA's pace. So, um, yeah, I mean, something's got to give, but UVA usually wins in the in the tempo war. Yeah, I think for me, as I look at this game and I think about sort of, when Virginia, you know, Ferber makes the, the reference to NC State. Um, like, I've got sympathy for, for teams that want to try to speed UVA up. It's a very specific niche. And the, the trick is, is that you have to frustrate them um, 
in a variety of ways in order to get them to play faster. What I find sort of fascinating is that we think of that NC State game, and that's not really even a situation where the Cavaliers were were playing at a faster you know, a faster pace per se. Right. Yeah. How, how it was you, just sloppy. It was exactly it was sloppy. And so maybe when you think sped up, maybe the words say one thing, but the actions say something else. Because realistically, how many possessions in that game? Right. Not not anything dramatically different in terms of you know, what Virginia is used to and what Virginia puts up, you know, on a nightly basis, right? Yeah, it was 66, and that was in an overtime game. And that was in game. an overtime game, right? The the two games against Duke, both losses were 63. The game against Florida State, a loss was 59. And I think what Florida State did in terms of being physical is just something that this Auburn team simply can't do. I think Auburn can be – can get you kind of chaotic, right, can – um, can force you to to make mistakes, not necessarily because they're being physical, but because they're they're just hard to catch up with. You're scrambling a lot, right? That's what they have to do. They have to pass the ball efficiently and effectively. They're going to have to make Virginia, you know, get from one spot to the other and help defense. And they've got to move the ball extremely well. And I feel like that is going to be the only way that the Tigers can really do this. And I'm not sure, especially since there's so much talk about it. I'm not sure, even with Virginia's versatility, that, that Auburn's going to be able to do that. Now, that being said, one of the things, if you guys remember, for that Florida State game, I remember, I don't know if it was the pod before or after, saying that sometimes when teams are forced to play a different kind of pace, when they're forced to play more in the half court, it sort of takes out some of the mistakes they might normally make because they're actually pretty good at it. They just never try it, right? It makes them focus. They can be deliberate, even if they're not necessarily being slow. And I thought that's what Florida State did really well in Charlotte. Can Auburn be deliberate, Dave? That's my that's my question. I'm curious what yeah. you think. I mean, I went back and looked at their schedule. They've played some low-scoring games. You know, most of their wins, they scored high 70s or 80s, but I think it was UAB. It was like 60-something, 60, 60 to 54. I don't have it in front of me. Um, that game went to overtime, but yeah. it was like in the 60s when it went to overtime. They had, a, I mean, they had a few games. I'm looking at it right now, like in the 60s. Alabama. Most of, them, most of them are like even losses they got to the high 70s. Yeah, I think Alabama was a 66 to 60 win, if I remember correctly. I mean, so they've played some slowdown games, but you know, they have like, never played a game. They haven't played a single game this season that is as slow as Ken Palm projects this game to be, which is 60 possessions. Yeah, and that's their the slowest thing. their lowest possession games of the year are 62, and they the one was a loss to Ole Miss by five, and the other one was a nine point win over Vanderbilt. And then they beat South Carolina with 62 possessions in the SEC tournament. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but we've got a lot of a few common opponents, if I remember correctly. You've got South Carolina, NC State, um, and I believe South Carolina split with Auburn over the year, and NC State yes. beat them. So yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Like even in the games where the scoring was low, like it was, they were just black, terribly inefficient games. There's a lot of missed shots, a lot of turnovers. Um, you know, it's not to say Virginia can't do that. It's just, you know, the, the body of proof is that the team doesn't do it often. And if that's what you're going to rely on to win, it's probably not going to work for you. Um, but what I was watching, what I got to watch the last few days outside of what we've seen from Auburn in the tournament is, you know, with um, they're very guard guard oriented. You know, they, they've got two guards who can shoot the three. I, I almost think the, the way they beat us is kind of how Purdue made it put us on the ropes. It's right. just hit some crazy shots because yeah. – and th their offense is almost Oregon-like a little bit. A lot of ball screens up top and kind of kick it to the wing. A lot of pick and roll, pick and pop. 
Yeah, sort of and stuff. we've seen you know Virginia's pretty good at defending that, so they're going to have to make. There's going to be some shots they take that are contested, and especially if they wanted to take them early off a quick pop, they're going to be taking them well outside the three point line. Now, if they can hit those, then that kind of changes the game. If they can't, it could get ugly the other way. Um, I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying the, the potential is there the way Auburn plays, if they're cold for that game to get out of hand. Yeah, I mean, I, looking at them, I, I agree with what you said. I think the recipe is similar to Purdue. I just think the difference is it would probably be by committee rather than one guy. Because right. um, Harper's yeah. probably their lead guard, but Bryce Brown's just as good at, you know, a shooter. And um, I, I don't know if any of those guys are nearly as good as Carson Edwards. I mean, he was a preseason player of the year candidate. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's how they do it. It would have to be a barrage of threes. If you want to see what it would look like, you can go look at the Carolina game. I mean, where they hit 17 of them. Right. Um, I mean, that's pretty much it. Carolina, But Carolina, the way they play, kind of played right into Auburn's hand. You know, they... they they thrive on turnovers, transition points, and threes. And what is Carolina going to give you? They're going to play fast. They're going to turn the ball over every once in a while, and they're going to their defense is scrambling all the time because of how they play. So it's like, you know, that that was almost set up for them to win. Where the Kentucky win, I thought was more impressive. Yeah, I think it's impressive too because they lost Okeke the night, you know, in, with such short time frame. Yeah, right? no turnaround time. You know, I mean, it's not even like I try to I try to explain this to people all the time that. Virginia lost DeAndre Hunter, had a few days to prepare. Jay Huff tears up his shoulder. It, it was their first game, so they might have had a, a plan, but they didn't necessarily – they didn't have a chance to play it. For for Auburn to, to lose their best player and then turn around and beat Kentucky to go to the Final Four in such a, ter- a short time frame, I think it's one of the most impressive things about this tournament in, in, in terms of – there was no practice for it. You know what I'm saying? Like they didn't see any live competition. I think it, they are. They did benefit from the fact that Kentucky was a team that they had already played. I think that that is definitely something. I mean, like, look, they they lost a game badly to to, to Kentucky on the road uh, in in middle of February, or excuse me, latter part of February. Uh, they lost a game at home to Kentucky by two in the middle of January. This is, you know, if you're playing a team that you've already seen maybe that helps you in terms of being able to prepare without one of your best players. I just feel like as I have looked more into Auburn, I think that I can't tell you the number, but I don't think it's too far away from 17 in terms of what they would need in order to win the game. The other thing that I keep focusing on is look, Auburn's defense might turn people over, but they're still only in the top. They're barely in the top 40 nationally in adjusted efficiency. What that tells me is that if you're if you're feasting on that many turnovers and you still are that far down the list in terms of efficiency, think about what that means they're having to give up because that's a yeah. lot of empty possessions. What did you say, Ferber? 20% of their possessions, their defensive possessions end in a turnover? 24.9. 24.9. So think about like that. If, if they're still barely top 40 in terms of defense, um, and that is with Okeke, right? That's with him playing 37 games. What what does that mean when you're playing something that admittedly their players told me straight up like yeah we 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 don't have I asked them all you know what's a all the guys I talked to at least what's a comparison for you for UVA and they don't have any you know they they were like yeah we face teams with good shooters like North Carolina and Kentucky and I'm like dude neither of those teams can really shoot the three the way Virginia does you know those teams do can score but they can't shoot it that well you know what I mean like they're not teams that you would be super afraid of at the three point line they're teams that are going to take you off the bounce and, and can do a variety of different things, maybe on the offensive glass. My question is, can that can they score enough 
if their defense can't get stops if if Virginia's not turning over. I think ultimately turnovers are the end all be all of this game. And I don't know if that's a you know, if if we're thinking about our, you know, sort of you know, we've kind of seen a rebirth of the Virginia of old, right? They had that spell where they're turning it over all the time and now lately they haven't. I wonder if if they're able to not turn over the ball, how does Auburn win this game? Yeah. I mean that I, I had the exact same thing, same thought as you when I was looking at their numbers, because they're also number one in steals and fifth in blocks, right? In the country this year. The steal number doesn't really surprise you because that feeds into turnovers, right? But like how is their defense ranked thirty-eighth if they're so good at those three things, right? And if you look at it, I mean, the shooting numbers they allow just aren't that great, right? They they allow opponents to shoot fifty-one percent from two, which is two hundred and twenty-seventh best nationally. 35% almost from three, which is okay, but it's 196 nationally. They are one of the worst teams in the country when it comes to protecting the glass. Uh, they give up offensive rebounds, and I think 33% of possessions, um, which is like very close to the bottom. UVA doesn't really crash, crash the glass that much, so I don't know how much that's going to haunt them, but Purdue got abused by UVA on the boards, and I think it really did cost them. Um, yeah, I mean, their numbers, other than the turnover stuff, are in blocks are, are pretty pedestrian on defense. But yeah, I mean, I think the recipe is turnovers. I mean, they're going to have to live by that. And if UVA plays a clean game and, and assuming that Auburn doesn't have an out of body experience from three, then, then they have a good shot. But I mean, even in that Kentucky game, Auburn didn't really go crazy from three and they still were able to win it. I mean, they had seven made threes on, I think it was like 23 attempts or something. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, really what they did was they turned over Kentucky quite a bit. They had 14 of them. So, yeah, I mean, and Kentucky yeah. didn't shoot the ball well. So, Yeah, I mean, Auburn's weird. Like, like you know, from on the efficiency index, they're somewhere between Syracuse and I think Georgia Tech it is in the ACC. Um, a little bit better in Georgia Tech, a little bit worse in Syracuse from Kim Palm numbers, but just on defense, um, which doesn't make a lot of sense given how much, how much time they, how many times they turn it over. But, you know, the, the one thing, since with Okiki out, um, Okiki, man, that's a hard name to say, too. Um, it's with, Okiki. Okiki, yeah. With him out, I, I don't, like, he's really good. You know, he scored 20 against Carolina and um, kind of led the team. But they're a really deep team. They're, they're not absent pieces, you know. They have Zadowdy and Purify and I uh, can't remember the, starts with a W from drawing a blank. Um, so they've got some players. Yeah, they have some players. On yeah, they bench. have some big guys. They definitely have some guys that can step in and play. Um, besides Okiki, who's a big loss. Yeah, and you, Justin, you say you know we're not we're typically we're not a big offensive rebounding team, but I feel like offensive rebounding is part of the reason we're here. Like they really rebounded the ball well against Purdue and Oregon in, in big situations. You know, Virginia was shown a little more, um, you know, the tendency to to crash the glass a little more in this tournament than we saw during the regular season. And I don't know why that is, but it certainly has worked for them. And a lot of that is Kyle and Dre, guys who you know, have done well on the offensive board. So I think that could be a key for Virginia against Auburn because they don't have a whole lot of size. But it's going to be an f- interesting matchup. And I know we always talk about an ACC comparison. And initially I thought they were like Florida State without the size, but they're not. And I think I texted you. I uh, can't remember who I talked to about this today, but – the closest I can come up with, and maybe I'm way off base here, it's almost like Virginia Tech with Blackshear out and another guard. 
I hate that's you, about Dave. the closest I, I was going to bring that out literally the next time I talked because I was thinking, oh, like, sorry, man. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> it, it, great minds. But like, that's the thing I keep thinking about, too. It's like it's basically if if you played Virginia Tech, but a better three point shooting team with a little bit more length and their center is not nearly as consistent because I think Blackshear is the engine that makes that thing run without. Yeah. Without Kuma in there, I don't know. Do they do they lean on Dowdy? Do they lean on Macklemore? Do they lean on Wiley more? You know what I'm saying? Like in terms of you know the lineups, because that was one thing that was kind of fascinating to me looking at Kim Palm's chart. So so anybody who's out there, he breaks down like what the the depth chart over the past five games and the percentages of where each player has yeah, played. Yeah, I use that in every preview I write. And and what's fascinating to me is that it, even with even when you know uh, Kuma is healthy, like. They are primarily, even though they're a deep team, they're not using a lot of that depth. Um, and now, granted, they're probably better suited to deal with a major injury than most teams because Bruce Pearl does like to play a bunch of dudes. But playing a bunch of dudes in games is not the same thing as a bunch as a group of kids coming in as a as a unit and having to play against a style that they admittedly don't see ever. Like they didn't have any comparisons. They just know that that Virginia plays slow. I don't think I. I, I mean, I'm. I'm borderline thinking that they're almost looking past UVA. Like that's my like I left that locker room thinking that it, it sort of feels like they're looking over UVA. Like they they are expecting to win, not necessarily because they're confident, but in themselves, but more so that they're they lack confidence in their opponent. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think that could just be a byproduct of what they've done in the last few weeks. I mean, cuz even before the tournament, you know, they were on a heater. They won 5 games in the SEC tournament. And granted, the first two of those games were, or the first three really weren't against great teams. It was Missouri, South Carolina, and Florida. But then they beat Tennessee badly. Um, barely, barely beat New Mexico State, but you win the game, you survive in advance. And then they really just handle their business the rest of the way. I mean, they had to go to overtime against Kentucky, but nobody even thought they could do that. Um, so they've won, what, four, eight, 12 games in a row. 12, 14 out of 15. Their one loss in the last 15 was at Kentucky by, like, 30 points. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We don't know the kids as well as we know UVA's, but um, I, I can see why they would be confident. Uh, the thing with UVA is you think, like, you look at them, you look at what they do maybe on film, and you say, like, okay, they play slow. You know, they're going to make some shots. Like, I don't understand why we can't. I mean, we see it all the time as people that cover the team. Like, teams come in thinking they can – they can break it with shooting or they can break it with tempo and then they can't, you know, like they have trouble with it and then they get frustrated. And I always, I've told Brad this a million times, but I always try to mark a point in the game where I feel like the team gave up. <laughs> like when the games where they win by 12, 14, 20 points, like they, I remember in the Louisville game at the end of the regular season, I think it was war. I came down and like just jacked one up from like five feet behind the line at 26 seconds left in the shot clock or something. And I was like, yeah, this team's out of ideas. They just ran out of ideas. Florida State at UVA was the same way. So I, I could see Auburn having a game like that. I could also see them having a really good game where, I mean, they just get hot from three and and everything's kind of clicking. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think that uh, the X factor, um, and we don't, we've never really had to talk about this, is uh, the gym itself, right? I mean, a lot of teams struggle with the shooting and the, with the depth perception in, in these kind of places. Um I was thinking about it today. I don't know everywhere that Auburn has played this season, but I think this, if any, if either of the two teams is probably going to have an advantage playing in a gym like this, just based on experience, it's probably UVA because they play in the carrier dome. 
uh, from time to time. And that's about as close as you're going to find. And shot the lights out the last time they were there. Right. Yeah. So it was SEC tournament this year. It was in Nashville. So that's like it's like an NBA arena, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like it's a, it used to be in the Georgia Dome sometimes, so I could see where that would be. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard to simulate it. And then you go out there for the games. And, and I think even the shoot around part is hard to like translate that to the game sometimes because at game speed, it's just like you don't get the same look at the basket from with all the there's no, you know, usually I've played a lot of games outside and it can really get to you um, if you're trying to square your shot up and find the depth. Yeah. It's, you know, going to the arena, like, you know, obviously shooting in that cavernous thing that <laughs> they're going to be playing in is a little different. Then you add the the hoopla and all the you know the extended pregame and all the other stuff. Yeah, all that it's hard to take account for. Yeah, to figure out how that's going to play for the team. Um, neither team has been to the final four, so not, neither has an advantage in that regard. I don't think either is playing looser at this point. I think both Auburn's overachieved and Virginia's. Probably got you know had the monkey off their back now and had an incredible win. Um, the reason I bring that up because if I feel like, I feel like if we were playing this Auburn team at at home or even at Auburn during during the pre you know during their non conference, I, I don't know that we'd be that worried about it. So right, I'm, but you know the consequences here are bigger, so that, that right. changes That's, everything. That changes everything. Yeah. That's kind of what I said about Purdue. Remember, I said if yeah. I told you because we were talking about how it was going to be a road game. Uh, with all their fans there. And I said, if I had told you a month ago, you could play a road game at Purdue to go to the final four. I think almost every single person would have taken it. Right. Yeah. I mean, no disrespect yeah. to Purdue, but I mean, they're not Duke. Like, I yeah, mean, Brett, at that yeah. point of the season anyway. Yeah. Brad, you're up there. I mean, is there going to be, is Michigan state going to have the most fans there? Virginia Trump um, seems like a lot of Virginia folks. are coming. Well, we haven't, I mean, we haven't seen a lot of fans yet because, Right now, everything is sort of spread out. You know, I saw like so a, early when I went yeah. to the Final Four shop in the Mall of America a while ago. You know, there was a random. You know, it was the first Auburn fan that I can remember seeing, and she was buying a T-shirt um, because they had a, a handful of them that were st- like team specific that were there. But I mean, there we haven't seen a lot of fans to this point. Um, you know, open practices tomorrow. So by the fo- by the time folks hear this, that will probably um, you know they'll listen. It, it'll be out in the morning. So. I don't know. I can't tell you right now how many fans are or aren't. I, I just think that it makes sense to me that Michigan State would have the most. Um, it would also make sense to me that for teams like you know Auburn and Texas Tech, that there are going to be a good number of fans because they've never been here before. You know, and I think the same. And for, they're both for, big schools. Yeah, like they're, they're both, both big schools a with a lot of alarms schools. and stuff. Yeah. I think there will be a good number of Virginia fans here as well. The interesting thing for me is going to be like. Who are the not? Because there always are going to be, even though you know the, the tickets are ridiculous, there are going to be people there who aren't necessarily one of the. You know what I mean? Like it's not like a lot. Of, a lot of people that go to the Final Four are neutral, right? So you know, and usually the ones with the best seats, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> well, yeah, you have all the corporate people, and then you have yeah. all the coaches and people yeah. from around the country. It's like a big convention, basically. Yeah, it really, and is. then you have the people who are like, I've been to thirty straight Final Fours, you know, right? Um, fans. I mean, it's like a Super Bowl sort of thing. Right. Well, let's do this. I want to. I want to get some picks. Um, in or at least if we don't give numbers, at least at least give some sort of thoughts on how we see this thing playing out. I'll I'll go first. The thing that I'm tripping up on is Auburn is so you know if there's a confidence um, among the Tigers or there's a or maybe let's let's phrase it this way, if if Auburn is going to win this game, it's going to be because it's offense. It's been because its defense turned UVA over enough to give its offense enough chances to score the points it needed to score. Even so, Auburn right now has 
the 28th ranked uh, effective field goal percentage, right? Virginia's offense, not only better in, in adjusted efficiency, but better in effective field goal percentage by eight spots. What that tells me is that Auburn's best, I don't know, attribute, so to speak, is its offense, right? It's sixth nationally. Virginia's offense is better. Can, can we, do, I, do I really think that a team that is not used to either what Virginia does offensively or what Virginia does defensively is going to just figure it out? Granted, they have a lot of really good players, and I'm not trying to say that they're not talented. I'm just really curious if they can put it together on this sort of stage, especially considering I think this Virginia team is experienced. Um, I think if Kuma was playing, I'd feel differently. I really would because I don't know – I don't really know what Virginia would do to try to slow him down, um, you know, because maybe, maybe you put Dre on him. I understand one of the reasons that that wasn't a great matchup for him last week is because he had to give space where Carson Edwards would just take it. And having Kihei on him allowed Virginia to keep a body on him without getting lost on the drive. This is, a, this is an interesting game, and, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot of fire for both teams – you know, first opportunity in the Final Four for these guys and coaches and stuff. I I, I think Virginia wins it seven eight points. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty it's pretty cut and dry to me. Virginia turns it over, they lose. If the Cavaliers keep take care of the ball as they have, they they win. Uh, Dave, we'll go to you. What do you uh, what's your what's your what's your sort of outlook on this one? I'm just it's just still surreal to me. Like we're having this conversation and picking this game and. Not not to go off topic before I make my prediction here, but you know I've been watching. You know I joked on the last po- you know on the the last podcast about how I was six and nine when they last made the Final Four. So I mean that's thirty five years ago. I've watched probably every basketball game that was televised between then, and this will be without a doubt the biggest Virginia game I've watched in thirty five years. So that alone is just blowing my mind, and I can't quite figure out how to wrap my head around it and enjoy it while not being upset, you know, <laughs> while, while still wanting to win. Right. Um, but as far as the matchup goes, like I think, look, when it comes to, obviously this week is crazy. You're, you're in Minneapolis, you're, you've traveled, you've got all the stuff going on. They're going to practice. Um, I, I feel like Virginia has got an advantage because, you know, the Auburn guys said they haven't played anybody like Virginia, but I feel like we've played a lot of teams that are similar in style to Auburn. So, that gives a gives us the advantage. Um, the arena, the shooting, you know, it's probably going to be a little awkward to shoot in, especially with the adrenaline going and and different sight lines. Um, I, I feel like Auburn's probably a little more dependent on the three going early to to maintain their defensive intensity and get us sped up. I think Virginia could withstand a little bit of offensive drought better than Auburn can. So, I mean, there's just too many signs pointing to Virginia. Like I wouldn't want to take the line. I think the line's still sitting at five and a half. I feel like Virginia is going to win this one and move on to the Monday night, and it's, it's going to be great. I'd I'd like to say they're going to do it comfortably, and I wouldn't be shocked if they were. But just given where it is and and just the gravity of such a game, I mean, I think it's going to be tight, and Virginia wins it. Um, I don't I don't know what the point spread will be, but it'll be a good night. All right, Ferber, you're up. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this one. Um... It's it almost feels like uneasy how how cut and dry it is. I felt kind of similar with the Purdue game, but I thought the X factor for Purdue was like their length. Um, 
Purdue, uh, Auburn doesn't have the same size, right? But I think honestly, it's like this is like if I was going to write a preview or whatever, this would be the type of game that would be the easiest one to do because Auburn is good at two things taking the ball away and scoring in transition and making threes. Um, I'm not saying they can't do anything else, but those are the things that they excel at. When those things are working as they have in the postseason, great. You're going to win a lot of games. Um, they have a lot of talent. People forget, like, they're a five seed, and at one point in bracketology, I think they were like an eight, because I remember <laughs> Dave saying, like, oh, that's an underseeded Auburn team, um, you know, at one point, because they were in UVA's eight, nine game, and I was like, I don't know, man, they're playing like crap. <laughs> but obviously, they turned it back on. But I mean, in the preseason, I remember watching their game against Washington back in like the first week of the season, and they were ranked like ninth or something i mean they were they were supposed to be good this year they have a lot of talent um, i think bruce pearls assembled, assembled like a really nice roster with interchangeable pieces uh and i think that you know they had they've earned their way there just like uva has but yeah i think uva is set up to to kind of give auburn a hard time i think that uh auburn gets i watched a lot i went back and watched the carolina game and a lot of the threes that Auburn gets are making the extra pass and stuff like that. And UVA usually defends that sort of stuff pretty well, um, better than most teams anyway. Whereas Purdue, I mean, almost every one of their threes was either a step or two behind. They, they didn't have a lot of, like, extra pass threes. They were, like, people pulling up and shooting them or coming off a screen and taking kind of a contested Kyle Guy-looking three. Um, and I agree completely with what Dave said. I think that... If it's an ugly game early, I think that favors UVA because they can just kind of push through it. I mean, they've had some struggles early in games already in this tournament, getting down to Purdue by 10 and, you know, falling behind Gardner-Webb. And then obviously the ugly kind of start they had against Oregon. I, I think that UVA is better equipped to handle that sort of thing. And I think we might see that with the jitters and the, the big arena and all that stuff. Um, and I think that UVA will eventually get it together. And I think they'll win by about two possessions or so, three possessions in a game that I feel like it'll start to trend kind of like the Purdue game did in the second half where they, they kind of get a nice like six, seven, eight point lead and kind of milk it uh, almost like Oklahoma, but tighter. Um, and I think that, I think they'll end up pulling it out, but I mean, obviously Auburn's variance is, is pretty easy to figure out if they turn the ball, turn UVA over a bunch and get a bunch of threes and they got a shot. And that still doesn't guarantee that they'll win. Um, or, you know, and if they don't do those things, then it's going to be really hard for them because I don't really see how they'd be able to keep up unless UVA just has a disastrous sort of shooting performance. Last thing I want to do is, I mean, look, we're, we, we talked about it before. We'll do something else. If, they, if they're able to win Saturday night, we'll do something else for, for Sunday or Monday morning um, to, to talk about what that would be like. But um, I guess I, guess I, I, still, I still think that there's something to be – discussed and we'll it will end tonight's show on this like it's dave mentioned it earlier kind of still seems surreal i'm definitely feeling that i mean you know getting credentials for the final four just is so mind-numbing do we think the Cavaliers are going to have a problem turning the page from from we're just happy to be here to let's go let's go win this thing let's let's do this you know what i mean like do you guys are you worried at all about their mindset at least in terms of being able to to flip that switch and go from just happy that you made it to wanting to take home the actual hardware? Um, no. I mean, I, I think that if anything, going from losing to a 16 to making the Final Four, they've earned the right to for us to expect them to have the right mindset coming in. 
I mean, this team lost three games all year with that monkey on their back. That that's impressive. And just knowing the the competitor that Ty and Kyle and like we've said, like I've said all year, Tony Bennett is like they they didn't come to Minneapolis to get a T-shirt and go home. I mean, they're they've got bigger bigger things on their mind, and um, I think they'll be locked in, ready to go. Like just having Ty on our team, like just knowing how he kind of steps up in these big moments. I, I think back to Cameron last year and how the guys played, like even this year in, in the loss. Um, I mean, that's a tough environment. Like this is going to be special, but these guys are tested. Uh, I loved what Tony said today about, I mean, I assume you were, you saw it, Brabbit. Um, he was talking about Colin guy when um, Colin guy, <laughs> Colin Ty, when he put him in at the late in the Florida game, um, just think about how much those guys have seen and what they've been through. Yeah. Like, they're only 30 years, but those guys have won a lot of games. They've played in some tough environments. Mm-hmm. They've gone through the, the lowest of lows. They're not going to show up in Minneapolis and, and not want to take take it all home. And I think they all realize this is the last, you know, barring some miracle, this is the last time this team is going to play together, even though Jack's the only senior. Right. Ferber, wrap it up for us. Yeah, I mean, I'm not too worried about that. I think there's probably some of that with the fans. Um, I'm, I'm sure once the game starts, just like Dave always says, once the game starts, you, you want it, right? Um, I, I don't think that the players will – I mean, the fact that they were able to, in that Purdue game, you know, I, I think it's I think it's natural to, to expect sort of a letdown or like a relief. But, but I mean, they had to go from that Mamadi play to keep playing and win. Yeah, like, they had to true. turn it back on. And I think – that sort of focus that they had, if they can, you know, roll that out again this weekend, then they'll be fine. It's just, I understand, I understand the question just because I've thought the same thing. Like, you know, you have this big moment and you don't know that's, you know, the hump that you had to get over and, and I, people probably don't care, but I think there's a definite like parallel between this and like what the caps did against the penguins last year, where it was like, they couldn't beat them. They couldn't beat them, but then they beat them and then they still had to keep playing games. Right. Um, it's all about the, the, I think once you get, once you start playing, I think a lot of that stuff kind of goes out the window, but, um, I think, I mean, I'm not saying that there's, I think all four teams in the final four are good, but the path to getting from where they are right now to holding up the trophy on Monday night, isn't nearly as daunting, I think, as people thought it might be when the bracket came out. So I think that, that, I mean, I don't know how that affects you, but in, on one hand, it's like, all right, we can go do this. And then on the other hand, it's like, it's right there. I mean, it's 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 right there. I mean, you just got to win two more games, and you're going to be favored in both of them probably. Yeah. If you are someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows. Give us a rating review that helps us get us out in front of more people. If you're someone who's found the pod, haven't given us a look yet on the site, check us out, calvescorner.com. Right now you can check out – my videos today from uh, U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. We got one with the Mamadi Diakite. Wow, wow, wow. I've not messed up that kid's name that badly in a long time. We got one with Mamadi Diakite talking about the aftermath of the play and how they have to focus on the Tigers just like we were just talking about. Um, I also caught up with Braxton Key, who has an interesting perspective, right, as the one player who actually faced Auburn last year. We also got uh, comments from a few Auburn players, as I mentioned earlier as well as transcripts from Tony Bennett and Bruce Pearl during their time on the podium today. So you give those a look. You can check out the video posted yesterday, I guess as you listened to it yesterday, with uh, Francisco Cafaro talking about you know, what, what, what his redshirt year and his experience was like and, and his kind of his conversion to, to America and basketball here and everything. 
um, kind of what he's learned and how he takes that forward. Uh, coming up later today, as you listen to it, Ferber will have our preview of, um, I guess, as you listen to this, tomorrow night's national semifinal between the Tigers and Wahoos from here in Minneapolis. Um, so, again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously their time. As always, I very much appreciate it. I also want to thank my buddy Will uh, for allowing me to crash here for a few days uh, and um, and <laughs> letting some stranger basically from the Internet um, come sleep in a spare room. That was really nice of him and uh, and his wife, and I really do appreciate that too. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.